Hi there. Welcome to the podcast and Happy New Year for those listening in January 2023. Today's episode with Sarah Findlay was recorded in October last year during the Civic Tech Innovation Forum. This is the first episode in a series covering some interesting projects we featured at the conference. These are active projects working across the continent to amplify underrepresented voices, to fight disinformation, simplify processes of governance, and promote accountability and transparency in government. We look forward to covering them for you. Now, let's get started with the episode. This podcast is brought to you by Civic Tech Innovation Network in partnership with Voice of Vits. Welcome once again to the Civic Tech in Africa podcast. My name is Natim Trekia. So happy that you've joined us once again for another episode. Now you're joining us right in the middle of the Civic Tech Innovation Forum happening both virtually and in person this year. Today, we are talking about how data can be a good storytelling tool and the importance of data journalism on the African continent. Africa Data Hub seeks to lower the barriers that African journalists face to access and use data in their storytelling around health and development. Today, we feature Sarah Findlay, who is the project lead at Africa Data Hub, who was one of the speakers and exhibitors at the conference. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Nati. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy that you joined us. Now, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself before we begin? Sure. So I actually have a background in ecology. My focus at the university was on environment and environmental sciences. Um, And through a weird turn of events, I ended up as a researcher at Media Monitoring Africa, which is a media nonprofit based in Johannesburg, working closely with newsrooms and journalists around quality of media and human rights. And through that, I came to know Open Cities Lab, which is the organization I now work for. And we we focus on providing solutions, particularly to uh, cities and local government to improve their service delivery. But we also try to open up other avenues to see social change in the world. And Africa Data Hub is one of those projects. Right. And it started in Durban, South Africa. And it's, it's now all over the continent. Tell us a little bit about that journey and, and how you decided to go into different parts of the, of, the, of the continent. Yeah, Open Cities Lab was started as a meetup in Durban between right. two friends, Richard Gievers and Matt Adendorf. And there was just such a need around open data and supporting cities. And it's just expanded, expanded, expanded. And funny enough, through COVID and the pandemic, we've seen such a growth in our organization. Um, And I think because of remote working, we've been able to expand uh, to Joburg and Cape Town quite easily. And Africa Data Hub is our first foray into continent-wide work. And we are based in South Africa, Kenya, Nigeria, and we're hoping to expand more into East and West Africa as the project progresses. And I think it's important you mentioned the, the pandemic as a sort of the catalyst that then you mm. know propelled you to go on the continent. And I think that's the story of many civic tech organizations, right? Did they say the pandemic really helped in how people engage with our platform? to see for people to see the need for uh, online platforms or online civic tech platforms and i know you guys started in october 2020 you guys began the africa data hub because of covid is, is this am i right in this Yes, yes. What we saw with the pandemic was an explosion 
of health reporting. So if you were um, any other type of journalist, all of a sudden you were becoming a health journalist just right. because it was consuming so much of our time and our energy. And what we realized was that part of the reporting was understanding what the case numbers mean, what the death numbers mean, all these things around modeling the progress of the pandemic um, really highlighted the urgency for journalists to be confident in using and understanding data. Um, and while there were examples of individual journalists or some newsrooms that were doing incredible work, really unpacking what those statistics meant and interpreting them well for kind of the layperson, there were also a lot of missed opportunities uh, around the reporting of COVID where you know, you just get a snit, you just get told oh, this number of cases, this number of deaths and this number of vaccinations when eventually we started to vaccinate. And sometimes there was a real element missing. Why is this important to me? How am I affected on the ground? Um, and so this project was started as an attempt to kind of overcome that. So COVID was our, our first uh, kind of theme or topic, mm. but we're now expanding to broader health because we see just how critical journalists having that level of data literacy is across all kind of focus areas in their reporting. We're going to come back to the journalist in just a moment. I want you to reflect on this with me around how mainstreaming data visualization wasn't a thing before COVID-19. And it's now a very big market. So most people who are working in civic tech and, and data journalism would say this was probably not a market before. Am I, am I right in this assertion that perhaps there wasn't a market before the COVID-19 crisis? So I think yes and no. I yeah. think... It's, it's difficult to kind of provide uh, and generalize across, essentially across the planet around what news we're doing. But I'd say that the appetite for data visualizations has definitely increased. Mm -hmm. But I think that that also coincides with the absolute flood of information that people have available to them, where you're no longer sitting down on a Sunday afternoon to read your newspaper and there's a beginning and an end. You go on social media and there's just, there, there's a constant stream of news, there are a constant stream of updates. And I think visualizations do two things. I think that they can provide you with a snapshot of a story. Right. Um, but they're also, I mean, I also think it's part of trying to capture someone's attention where, you know, there's just such, uh, such urgency and there's so many different competing factors for people's attention. So I definitely think that um, visualizations have a role to play in that. But I think we would argue that visualizations aren't the be all and the end all to using data in your stories and that we shouldn't rely solely on graphics or interactives to tell a story, that the work and the research behind those visualizations are just as important. Could you just tell me a little bit about that work behind, because I know that Africa Data Hub is involved and, and maybe we can go deeper into what Africa Data Hub really does, because you are the source of data or you kind of get to the sources of data and then help journalists get that access. Hmm. So we see the challenge as, as twofold. On the one hand, 
Um, journalists really struggle to find good sources of data, especially in Africa. There are often conflicting sources of information about the same thing. The data doesn't exist yet, or it's not available online. And we, and that's like a really big struggle um, that we've noted time and again, that journalists and newsrooms just, they spend an hour trying to find a piece of information. They can't find it, so they give up and they move on. Right. So that's the one side of it. On the other side of it, we see journalists are just so hamstrung by the resource constraints that they face in their newsrooms that they don't actually have the time. They don't have hours and hours to sink into trying to understand a data set, interpret it, analyze it, still find multiple expert sources, package it together in this really beautiful hole, and then sell it. They've just time constrained and alongside that there's also huge skills constraints and the anecdote that I often use is that we've come across a lot of journalists who say the reason we went into journalism was to write we're interested in writing and storytelling and we want to avoid maths and statistics and numbers as much as possible and now you're trying to tell us no 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 but this can be something that really helps so part of our work is trying to demystify data, that it doesn't need to be this big, scary, intimidating thing. It can provide a lot of power to your story and it can in some ways be quite fun. So yeah, so our work is trying to open up data sets and provide kind of clarity and skills around how to find data, how to use it, how to clean it. And things to look for in kind of trustworthy data sets. And then on the other hand, also invest a lot in capacity building and training and coming alongside journalists in this journey around using data. But also more recently, and this is kind of our third strategic arm, is that we're also seeing how isolated journalists can be, especially those that are interested in data for their stories. And so the third thing that we're really trying to pour um, our time and effort into is building a community of journalists, trying to link journalists with each other and to create peer-to-peer learning, mentoring, that they can find resources and support and help amongst each other, that they don't always have to rely on other organizations or civic tech groups to, to find the support that they're looking for. So yeah, so opening up data, capacity building and training and community building. Those are three major activities. So in the demystifying, so you're helping journalists kind of are kind of happy to deal with data journalism. Are you seeing an increase in journalists who are now saying, now we are now data journalists? And the flip side of that, are you seeing in a lot, lot more people being happy with journalism of that kind? A lot of people engaging with data-based stories. I mean, I think that that's a fantastic question. For us, one of the big realizations that we've had from our first two years of operation is that becoming a data-confident journalist takes more than one training. 
It takes more than one fellowship. It takes more than one opportunity. And so we really see our work with the trainings that we run both online and in person and with the fellowships that we've been running in Kenya and Nigeria, that these are simply starting points, a, a catalyst to, for journalists to know that there is the opportunity for using data as a potential source in their story. But we understand that the fruits of this might only be seen in five or 10 years time, that it'll take a lot more than a once-off training to potentially identify somebody or for them to identify themselves as a data journalist. So I think that's the first thing that, that, experiences from people that we've worked with and interviewed have said it took me 10 years of concerted effort on behalf of myself and my newsroom and other organizations for me to finally come to a point where data is so central to my reporting. And so that's, that's kind of the frame like we're using this as the catalyst. Mm -hmm. I think the second part of that and why we've taken this kind of three-pronged approach is that if somebody does attend a training and they are incredibly enthusiastic and they've learned so much and they immediately want to apply these new skills around cleaning and filtering spreadsheets and creating visualizations, the big problem they face is that in the application, they still can't find the data. So they've got these skills but they can't actually use them and apply them because that, that data isn't available. So that's why as ADH, we're trying to surface and aggregate and find these kind of missing data sets so that when people do come out of our programs, there's something now that they, with which they can apply these newfound skills. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons that, because data journalism has been around for a while, let's yeah. say 10 years. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons it's potentially been quite a slow start or a bit lethargic is because there's an enthusiasm, but it peters out because they can't practice and, and apply their skills in real life situations. But I think that, well, I mean, I think we're hoping to be one opportunity and one resource to try and overcome that yeah. so that moving forward, we can really build momentum around what data-driven journalism can be for Africa. And on that point of data journalism being around for 10 years, and I, I would argue that it's probably been around for a, a longer time and say perhaps critical data journalism has been around for a shorter time because perhaps, you know, journalists have been getting data from government sources or from wherever they're, you know, wherever they're investigating and purely regurgitating the information they get to the public without, and again, if I am wrong with this, please tell me, informing people what they're just getting from the government or whoever else. Do you think, again, to what you, you mentioned before about that fear of engaging data, isn't there now a, a renewed sense of confidence that data journalism is so prominent, I suppose? Let me respond, I think, slightly tangentially to what you've raised, but I love it, is that we, in as much as we talk about Africa Data Hub being involved in data journalism, we're also really trying to move away from that terminology mm. because we don't think it's helpful. 
every journalist works with data. And I think your example around getting a government report or a press release where there are numbers involved, that is data journalism. You're working with numbers, you're trying to unpack what trends might be. And so I think for us, we're trying to say, we're not seeking data journalism. We are seeking journalism where um, data can be a source for you and that you are, like you say, you're, you're confident enough to use that data in your story and you're, but also that you're confident enough to interrogate it. So I, I remember um, working with a colleague um, based in Kenya. She was formerly at the nation and she was saying that she, so she is, um, she's very, she's one of the best um, kind of data journalists in Africa. And she was saying that she received spreadsheets from the government with a breakdown of the pass rates. I think it was for different grades and for different subjects um, at the end of a school year. So different students and it was broken down between boys and girls. And these were the average marks between boys and girls for the different subjects. And what ended up happening was that most newsrooms just carried those numbers as they were right. this percentage, this average boys, girls. And she said, she looked at the numbers and she said, but this doesn't make any sense Ordinarily, the boys score a lot lower than the girls. And this year, it's completely switched around. And she interrogated that and she questioned the government. And it turned, it turned out that they had actually accidentally switched the columns, that the girls had achieved well this year. But in the spreadsheet that was sent out, they'd mixed it up. And so I think for us, it's about being able to look at those numbers, but apply your own context and your own understanding and your own insights, right. not to just take that data at face value. And, and like you say, just regurgitate it out. And so I think that, that that's where we're trying to move to confidence in data, not that it's the be all and the end all of your journalism. You still need to find your experts. You still need to find your context. You still need to do your digging. Um, but that data can kind of uplift a story. It can help you find outliers that you might not have looked at before. There are a lot of opportunities that data can bring. And that we're trying to highlight to journalists. And speaking of that move away from naming things just data journalism, I noticed that the fellowship in Nigeria isn't called the Data Journalism Fellowship, right? The one in Kenya is called Data Journalism Fellowship. In Nigeria, you've gone Community Journalism Fellowship. Would that be an example of your move away from, you know, calling it data journalism? Is, is, was that intentional? So that program, once again, yes and no. I'm not giving you very straight answers. <laughs> <laughs> but yes and no. So that program was specifically set up to expand the opportunities to Nigerian journalists outside of key city centers with the understanding that if you live in a particular area, you are way more equipped to report on that story with um, nuance and sensitivity than a journalist that's parachuting in to report on that same story. They just don't have that background um, and might miss 
certain details. And so that our focus was on working with community journalists and but specifically equipping them with those data skills. So on the one hand, the focus was on community journalists, which is where the fellowship gets its name, its name. But we were also the skills were all centered around um, data skills, sourcing it, cleaning it, aggregating it. Right. Um, so, so yes, yeah, yes and no. <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. You mentioned that part of the of the work you're doing with journalists is trying to teach them to partner up and learn from each other. One thing I noticed about the Africa Data Hub. Uh, initiative is the fact that you have six partners in this. Could you tell me about the significance of that partnership and and how it's now helped your work? So I think that is a defining feature of the Africa Data Hub is this collective of expert organizations that have come together um, to do this. And it's been a very, very interesting journey over the last two years Um, understanding how we build trust between organizations that haven't worked together, unpacking um, where one organization's strengths lie and that can maybe help and balance out a weakness of another organization. Um, And so we very much see our work as collaborative. So for example, um, Open Cities Lab as a civic tech organization, our major strength is around um, data and, and visualizations, as well as um, administrative and management. We work with Open Up, who are also a civic tech organization, whose major, major strength is being able to pivot very quickly, implement things very quickly, adapt. They they come up with ideas and can turn around things very fast, which has been absolutely incredible to see um, in action. And then we work with um, Media Hack Collective based in South Africa, Odipa Dev based in Kenya, and Ara Data Science based in Nigeria. And each of them are firstly newsroom specialists. They each have a very clear understanding of their local news landscapes and have uh, partnerships and existing relationships with journalists and newsrooms locally, but they're also all data specialists. So each of them have conducted data training uh, in their respective countries, data journalism training. And so these are the best partners to help us understand the context in which ADH is operating. Um, and that's, it's so needed. I think we're in an age where we have access to so much information. We think we can understand a place just by reading about it. When actually you need people on the ground filtering back to you to say, no, that's not going to work here. Or this is a bigger need. So for example, I'm currently based in a city and I often work on my laptop, for example. It might not occur to me that actually everybody else requires a a platform or a website to be mobile friendly. Okay, that's a very basic example. Everything needs to be mobile friendly. But providing that context and feeding back local needs 
um, what local the constraints local journalists are facing, who they are, and the the context in which they're working. For example, we've had a lot of feedback around hostility and the insecurity that journalists are facing from other parts of the continent, and we need that local knowledge and expertise to build something that can speak more broadly um, to what's being faced on the ground. Um, so yeah, so those three organizations are pivotal, not only from a skills point of view in terms of training and data analysis, but also in terms of providing us with those insights. And then lastly, we work with Media Monitoring Africa, who are also based in South Africa, and they have a tool called Dexter that extracts key data from news stories. And so you can punch in, I want to understand health coverage um, in Kenya. And it'll go through a whole lot of Kenyan stories where there's a topic health and it spits out a whole lot of information around the breakdown of gender sources. Um, if it's a politician that's been sourced, what party they represent, quotes, there's a whole lot of information that Dexter extracts. And then we can then analyze to understand um, the quality of reporting around a particular issue. And in some ways, we've used it as a bit of monitoring and evaluation data for ourselves. Are we having the impact that we think that we're having? So yeah, so a collective of six. Um, and yeah, it's been a really incredible journey um, exploring how we work together across different processes and cultures and personalities. Tough at times, for sure. But I think ultimately it's, it's those tensions between different organizations and contexts and groups that ultimately means that you're producing a better product, that it's not one voice that dominates. And I think that's, that's, that's valuable, I think, to, to use different skill sets to do mm. to, to create a valuable product for people. So context is important, right? Like you said, and different skill sets are important. So would you say as an overriding lesson, you know, from your partnership, and I'm thinking now about people who have startups in civic mm. tech, and perhaps they're from a, you know, data background or software developing background or whatever else, or just a social entrepreneurship uh, background, but they're interested in the civic tech space or the data journalism space. Would you say that the overriding lesson there is use other people who might have better skills or who have the right resources to get you where you need to get? 100%. I think our, as OCL, but also something that we've tried to incorporate into the Africa Data Hub is this foundational motto of we're not the experts. So we are not the experts in COVID. We are experts in data and in visualization. But even then, those are driven by the needs of our journalists who are our users. Um, and to just keep coming back to that principle that we are not the experts, we are not the experts, and that one of the big things is, is we are so much, and it sounds like such a cliche, but like being stronger together and specifically having the self-awareness to identify your weaknesses 
or to have somebody call out your blind spots and then specifically seeking that out. So if we know that, I don't know, that, that there's a particular, we have a particular strength in this area, but something we really struggle with is this, bring in that expertise, either through a partnership with an individual or a partnership with an organization. Because at the end of the day, we're all trying to develop our skills across the board. Mm. And we can only do that by leveraging the expertise that other people have. I can't spend uh, decades studying a whole lot of different topics to be an expert on everything. Like we'll never be an expert on everything. And so who can you partner with to help strengthen and feed into the mission? Um, there are also some partners that won't necessarily buy into what you are trying to do. And that's fine. That's also part of it. Nobody, we don't have to partner with every single person. I think that's the other thing is there's also a level of um, being selective and being quite specific and intentional around your partnerships. Um, if anybody's considering collaboration, Consider who you want at the table and be intentional about who you want. That's the, that's the real starting point for anything. Yeah, the work that ADH is doing is very important, uh, especially at the time when trust in journalism is deteriorating. This has helped, you know, kind of does help to, you know, for, for communities to regain trust in, in journalists. What can we look forward to that ADH is doing now? I know that there's uh, applications for the fellowship in Nigeria. Have, have they been closed or are, are they still um, welcoming? Are we are you guys still welcoming uh, applications? So they, they, we are welcoming applications for our third cohort. But also keep an eye out because next year we're hoping to expand both programs um, in Kenya and Nigeria. And so there will be more opportunities. So if you don't make it in this round, um, know that there will be more rounds of fellowships coming. Right, right. So yeah, uh, people must uh, have a, a look at, at your social media stuff. How, how do people uh, engage with you? How do they connect with you? So our website, africadatahub.org, very simple. Um, You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram. Um, But I'd strongly suggest if you are interested, we have a newsletter that we've um, just relaunched um, and you can sign up on our website. You'll see a little banner pops up. And what we're really trying to do there is not only share the work that we are doing as as Africa Data Hub, but also sharing stories, other data-driven stories that serve to inspire journalists. Oh my gosh, this this is actually possible. Um, And so we're featuring four or five data stories um, in each newsletter. Um, And you can also reach out um, at info at africadatahub.org and we will respond back to you. Right. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sarah. It's been great talking to you. Um, yeah, and hopefully people do get in touch. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this uh, edition of the Civic Tech in Africa podcast. Until next time, goodbye.
This podcast is brought to you by Civic Tech Innovation Network in partnership with Voice of Vits.